Welcome to Poetic Pontification, a podcast for poets to share their work and their story. I'm your host, Melina Kritikopoulos, and this week's episode will be a little different. I sat down with four members of the Live Poet Society here at Cal to just chat about poetry and do a little reading of our own. So I won't be interjecting as much with my thoughts, but you may hear from me every now and then. All right, let's listen in. Welcome to Poetic Pontification. We are here with four members of the Live Poet Society at Berkeley, and I'm going to have everyone go around and say their names, and we're just going to have a fun little talk chat about poetry today. Hi, I'm Anissa. I'm a student writer. Hey, hi, I'm uh, Yusuke Kondo. I am a political philosopher and a senior. Hi, my name is Ryan Laffin. Uh, I am a poet and a undergraduate transfer to UC Berkeley. Uh, hi, my name is Daniel Murphy. I am also an undergraduate transfer to UC Berkeley. Lovely, and I am Melina Kritikopoulos, your host uh, of Poetic Pontification. I always start my podcast with every whoever the guest is shares a poem. Since we have four people here today, we're going to have everyone share their own poem. So I think we've established an order of speaking. So Anissa, if you want to go first, yeah. you're just going to read your poem, and then we can all just kind of chat about it. So this poem is called Dissatisfaction, and it goes... It's only a matter of time until the daisy beds turn hostile. As the May showers, we'll leave no April flowers. For the air has gone dry as it waits for you to pick yourself up off the cold, tiled floor. You'll never be satisfied, not ever. Not even when it's not too cold, not too hot, like spring. Wow, lovely. Thank you for sharing. Um, Anyone have any thoughts on the poem they want to share? Beautiful. Thank you. That covers the majority of what I really offered. <laughs> what more thirty seconds? Beautiful. Slade, you, you did it. You did it. You're done. Okay, bye. End of the podcast. Um, no, that was really lovely. Can I ask if there was like an inspiration behind it? If you want to say anything about it? Yeah. So um, this one was one of the poems that I like had an I already a theme in mind. So evidently it was about spring, and so I kind of wrote it about how. Of my fear of never being satisfied and whether that can be academically but I think mainly it's in terms of my writing and whether um, I'd be able to you know write for like as a career and whether I'm like quote-unquote good enough mm-hmm. um, so yeah interesting yeah I like it it's I I don't think I got that from first read but I think that's that's a beautiful like kind of metaphorical way of mm-hmm. talking about that feeling and I think at least I can say I've definitely experienced that feeling of, of yeah. not feeling good enough that uh, that seems to be a very common uh, attribute to poets is not feeling good enough. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also easy to convert to compose verse when you're talking by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, absolutely. like we find ourselves the most fascinating out of everyone else in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. absorbed. Yeah. That energy. Yes, definitely. Who is next? I guess we'll go in round two. Yeah, order. let's do it. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to give you the brief context of this poem. Okay. It's a, it's by Alfred Tennyson. It's called um, Mon, and it's a very long, like, um, half-hour-long poem. Oh, wow. So I'm going to play, like, a brief excerpt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'd like you to play the whole half-hour. <laughs> He's like, oh, wow. That's the entire episode. That's not what I told you to do. <laughs> Oh, like, I gotta tell you like what happens before I tell you the okay. actual poem. Okay. It's um it's about a narrator who's a young man and 
He falls in love with a girl named Maud, but her brother is opposed to the match. But even though the both of them are in love with each other, uh, Maud has to like um, date a better guy. So her brother is forcing her to go to a party to like um, meet better like upper class men who can like woo her and get married by someone who's much better than the, the narrator. But at the same time though, the, the narrator has made a promise with Maud that he's gonna wait outside of the party. He's gonna wait there the entire night. And during the night, he's gonna like, I guess, think about her. And then after that is ends, uh, Maud will leave the party and then rejoin her true love. And the poem is basically him, like the narrator, just talking about what he's feeling like during the whole night. And yeah, I'm gonna play like three stanzas. Okay. Um, come into the garden, Maud, for the black bat night has flown. Come into the garden, Maud. I am here at the gate alone. And the woodbine spices are wafted abroad, and the musk of the rose is blown. For a breeze of morning moves, and the planet of love is on high, beginning to faint in the light that she loves, on a bed of daffodil sky, to faint in the light of the sun she loves, to faint in his light and to die. Queen Rose of the Rosebud Garden of Girls, come hither, the dances are done in gloss of satin and glimmer of pearls, queen lily and rose in one, shine out little head, sunning over with curls to the flowers and be their sun. Very nice. Yeah. It's been, I feel like it's been so long since I've heard poetry in proper rhyme scheme. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like so many people now write in free verse or oh. just like a classic spoken word style that I haven't heard something that's like hit me viscerally in proper rhyme scheme in a very long time. So thank you for that. Yeah, that was really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, there's so much there, or so much uh, like sensory input, such a like classic Gothic feel to it. Like it's very different from what I'm used to, mm -hmm. but satisfying. Mm -hmm. That was Tennyson, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Alfred Tennyson. We once, uh, <laughs> Ryan and I went to the same community college and we once had a fallout with one of our group because uh, some certain people disagreed with each other yep. about the point of a Tennyson poem. So he's a very full debate on whether he was feminist or misogynist. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Fine line there. Oh, was, I was not involved. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's beautiful as always. Yeah. yeah, I just like the the way he talks about the rose, mm -hmm. the rose and lily. These are the two most talked about flowers in poetry. Mm -hmm. The lily for being like I think the symbol of like. The Virgin Mary and like innocence, mm -hmm. purity. Yeah. And then Rose is much more sensual, much more erotic, but much more like uh, romantically love. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, much more passionate. Mm -hmm. So those two together are like an like a very intoxicating, I guess, combination for poets. Thank you for that. That was really beautiful. Um, all right, Ryan, you're up. All right. So uh, this is called Adelaide. Adelaide, pliant as smoke, blown by the breeze, drinking the gifts of helpless jokesters. Light the world afire with life, reeking of rebirth, and gasp to gaze on your unseen potential. Breathe your silent screams and survive another night until the morning burns away the fog and we both see the chances you once held so cheap. In cerulean scenes, your eyes outshine, blazing with light of renewed perspective. Show me the world in your pupil's reflection and burn away breath with your glare's blue flame. Rule your dominion with unwavering sympathy, guiding the wretched with guileless touch until recreation and the loss of laughter when your soul too shatters in response to new lights. And in the moment of bent earth, I'll write of your fancies, of unfound hills and waterfall tears, the way the wind carried the song of your voice and the pictures you painted with words. And when all the world knows of your wonders, their written hands will lift you to light. 
repairing the blows of unflinching knowing with the strength of an unseen life. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Hey, that was pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. Did you, for clarification, you wrote that one? Yes. Okay, yes. beautiful. Um, you. Do you want to explain what went into it? Um, I mean, it is uh, technically partially written for somebody I knew who was uh, dealing with a very uh, unsatisfactory romantic relationship that was very cyclical in a lot of ways, felt like it was uh, kind of this continuous collapse and rebirth of emotions. So uh, I, I don't want to go into further detail no, yeah, about that, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah. The form is compelling. It's It felt like uh, sentences that float together really nicely, rather than sort of any like uh, appearance of abruptness or anything like that. Yeah, you could say in a lot of ways it's kind of the antithesis of the Tennyson, you know, the very gothic, very mm -hmm. formular classic rhyme scheme to then very free verse, a lot of alliteration, and yeah. Ryan versus Tennyson, <laughs> the ultimate battle. Uh, yeah, I lose on that front. <laughs> uh, is that how we did poetry in the old days? Like, I think the Anglo-Saxon poems were focusing more on that, like, alliteration and less on the very ornate rhyming schemes and crazy meters that we have like in the modern times. Yeah, that is uh, part of where I take my inspiration for that was uh, from uh, a lot of the classic alliterative poetry, Beowulf, yeah. and uh, then our own vice president, Yuna uh, Kang, and her poetry, which okay. also contains a lot of the same elements. Side note, we did an episode on Yuna a few weeks ago. Check it out when you're done with this one. It's more visceral. I feel like your poem is more intense. That's it kept them it kept like that momentum going that's what I really liked thank you yeah I don't want to feel like when I'm reading a poem I'm like getting I'm like stopping mm -hmm. I'm like getting mm -hmm. interrupted for some reason yeah. mm -hmm. and I feel like with yeah. rhyme schemes you can get into feeling that interruption a little bit especially if like the like the the syllable yeah wait because sometimes it mm -hmm. rhymes but it doesn't flow nicely and no. that that definitely ends up you forced. said it was a half hour long poem yeah. I, could, I feel like I'd get bored <laughs> reading that. Like, that's a very long, especially to be in a rhyme scheme like that. Whereas I feel like yeah. in a kind of more free verse flowing situation, it like can kind of roll through your mind a little bit more. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, I, I read the Paul poem when I was in sitting in like jury duty in December. <laughs> so so like, so, yeah, I read the entire There you go. Yeah, that is the perfect yeah. place to read to <laughs> What were you gonna say? I just wanted to comment on like the way you kind of like narrate every one of your poems. I think it's just like really compelling and it like every time I listen to your poems I'm just like there and like present. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oration is half the battle when you're doing poetry. Alright, go ahead, Daniel. Um this uh accidentally rhymes. <laughs> uh I didn't I usually don't rhyme. Uh, and so it is probably guilty of feeling a little too abrupt, a okay. little too start-stop. And also, I'm not a very talented orator, uh, so this is going to be a rough experience for everybody involved. <clears throat> uh, just for a little context, I wrote this uh, with the help of wine, as, as usual for me, and uh, 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 an album had come out recently that I was... Can I ask what album? Uh, no. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, uh, it was Ants from Up There by uh, Black Country New Road, okay. which is... Do you recommend the album? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yeah. So I had to listen to this album. 
The best way I can describe it is space cowboy country ballads. It's a pretty unique sound. Here's a bit of one of the most popular tracks, Chaos Space Marine. We probably look like ants from up there, she says. From where, your seat on the throne I built, or that little green hill where the grass would grow under our feet. No, not the hill or the seat, nor the stream where you grow flowers on your feet. Perhaps the strings where I can't help but bleed, my youth crying out like toy soldiers in defeat. And you'll never hear that song because the lyrics make no sense. To me, to you, or the graveyard that looms across the street. Don't you remember when you said, that the years would blend together like quilts or a tapestry, and I screamed and cried that trust could never live with memory. We probably look like ants from up there, I say. A plane, a skyscraper, the moon, heaven or hell. I see now, up here with me, in this room, with its hopes on the walls and its grass on your feet. Hey, you promised us bad oration. I feel very <laughs> let down. Uh, oh, that yeah. was beautiful. Yeah, Thank you. Was. Thank you very much. Uh, I think the majority of my poetry relates, just sort of flows directly back to like heartbreak I had when I was like 17. <laughs> and they all seem to kind of uh, stem from that. Uh, so I have hundreds of, of different uh, perspectives mm -hmm. on one event, but uh, yeah. That's interesting and I feel like I mean, I have not heard all of these perspectives, but I would assume that they would kind of change throughout time as you've mm -hmm. changed in your relation to that. Yeah, event. yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of a beautiful like tracking of your own mm -hmm. personal history yeah. through poetry. Definitely accidental tracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the strong sense of self. It feels like your poem is revolving around you, and that's really important because I feel like it does keep it keeps going back to you, and therefore your poem has good like repetition of lines and like certain themes. That, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was kind of what I was going to say. It feels very cohesive, yeah. partially because you do so many callbacks. Like, it really, really works and does have that reference to the album that completes it, I think. Thank you. Yeah. I think just reiterating what everyone's saying, I think, um, like, the imagery that you depict as well as, like, the similes you incorporate is really lovely. Thank you. And uh, I'm just going to say, since I've been able to witness this journey of poetry going back to the same event, like you, you have definitely evolved and your poetry has become this very beautiful abstract thing over time. Like your depictions of the same event as you would describe it, like you, you have... Yeah, uh, sometimes it's difficult to tell, cause, but it's probably all the, all the same stuff. Different words though, I guess. The, you talking about this, you know, kind of stemming from a, a negative event reminded me of something that I thought of one time, and this was not a prepared question that I had, but I want to ask it now, and I want to know you guys' opinions. I feel like a lot of people think that poetry must come from a place of pain, or you must be some kind of wounded soul in order to write poetry. I've heard that from a lot of people, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of my poetry also is very sad, and I find that the stuff I write best is when I'm either really sad or very happy. Um, and and I guess that's just, you know, attributing to, like, intense emotions will create, you know, foster creativity. But I want to know, like, do you, I don't think that poetry needs to come from a place of pain. And like, if anyone has any comments on that kind of outlook of poetry that I feel like is kind of popular. I don't think so either. Um, I think it, 
obviously depends on the poet. So you're, I think we do uh, deal with the extremes. Uh, and so usually poets who tend towards one extreme, you know, the real sad, like I think I do, <laughs> sort of my poems just end up being quite sad. But it's that's not like an essentiality mm -hmm. to poetry at all. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's uh, it can sometimes be a crutch in some ways. Um, I feel like it's probably I, I feel like it's harder to write a happy poem than a sad one. I agree. In my yeah. opinion. <laughs> so. I think it's the same thing when it comes to love. Like there's like those sayings that you know you have to you've had to have been in love in order to write poetry, which I don't think is in any way true. Um, but as you were saying, it is a crutch to some sort of um, creativity and um, the way you kind of like, the way you choose to begin to write poetry is dependent on some sort of thing, but I don't think in any means it, it's either sadness or, you know, love. Yeah, from uh, my personal experience and just the people I know who are poets, it feels like a lot of times like sadness or extreme joy is what like spawns the love of poetry, but then the best poetry I've ever seen written is generally not from those places. Like for myself, it's not when I'm in the middle of heartbreak or uh, ecstasy. That might be when I write the most, but it's never my best poems. It's generally that moment of inspiration, the unthinking mind that just, you write a poem without even realizing it sometimes, and that becomes the best thing. Yeah, I think the best, the best poets, they have to have the most sensitive souls. And I suppose, when people who are like when like when we're most most like normal people, we get much more sensitive when we're extremely happy or extremely sad. But the best poets can probably be able to like make their souls kind of mushy, make their make their senses more tender, mm -hmm. like in in ordinary times when they're not in these crazy you know mood swings. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get the best poems too, is when you're more moderate, but they are still like highly sensitive to different feelings mm -hmm. and emotions. So. Empathy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That was, that was, a, that was, I would quote that. That was a beautiful <laughs> statement, jeez. Um, yeah, no, I, that was satisfied with that answer. I've, I've always wondered what people think of like, you know, poetry from a place of pain and I hate that thought. Um, so thank you for that. Ryusuke is full of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything he says could be quoted in the book. Um, okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, that'd be cool. That, that's the only Someone, reason I'm here. Yeah. I've been recording these. I'm publishing yeah, it in a book later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna follow you around with a notepad and a pen, just writing down everything you say. Yeah. Um, okay, and that kind of leads me into my other question that I have prepared, which is, why do you write poetry? And it could be, you know, place of pain. It could be, I'm not gonna tell you your answer because that's what you're here for. So why do you write poetry? Do you want to start in this one? Sure. Yeah. Um, when I think of poetry, I think of myself in high school and just like finding moments of just writing down everything that I'm feeling. So. It started off as brain dumps, but then as I continued writing, I realized that these brain dumps, or quote unquote brain dumps, was poetry. And um, when I discovered that, it was just like, hey, like I didn't know like these feelings could be strong enough that can be like transformed into poetry, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that realization just kickstarted um, my writing journey, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and yeah nice that's beautiful i definitely feel that yeah i think yeah. i think because we're both first years we have a little bit more of a connection to the mm -hmm. high school era and um <laughs> so we're closer to it but i 
I definitely feel that. Mine started like eighth grade. Yeah. Just like dealing with emotions and for some reason poetry was what stuck. And it's like you don't even realize that that was what you're feeling Mm -hmm. until it's written down on paper. It's like, hey, I was sad at that point and now I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, I used to be like very dismissive of poetry. I think throughout my entire high school life Mm -hmm. actually. Oh, wow. It's, I thought poetry was kind of like just saying the same common things, but more more like ornately. Mm-hmm. I thought like you want to get more meaning in life, you should like read a piece of literature or read philosophy. Mm-hmm. But I guess I think poetry is, I've only begin, begun to understand it since last, either one or two years ago, probably during COVID. And I think poetry for me has been more interesting because it's more, it gets you more into like that meditative, contemplative like mood where I can get into that like it's like you know liminal plane between like thinking and sleeping right in, in this dream state I think poetry can sort of get me there more quickly than other mediums than other fiction and mm-hmm. that's where I've wanted to read more poems and maybe write more to I guess yeah go back into my you know go back in that that like naive state of nature become that become naive and dream like mm-hmm. again yeah. Um, for me, I, uh, oddly enough, I hated writing as a child. Like, just absolutely hated it, detested it, could not stand it. And then, uh, yeah, sometime when I was becoming a teenager, I went through a phase that I think a lot of people go through of writing just angsty depression poetry <laughs> that was absolutely awful. And then uh, eventually I started a writing uh, group and I was the worst of the group at poetry and decided that to improve, I was going to write two poems every day. And as I did that, I stopped hating it, stopped any of my negative feelings about it and started to improve, started to find my own style and uh, found that it was a way that I can really connect with people. So uh, I went from sharing my poetry and being part of that group to then just sitting with other people and having poetry writing sessions, playing games based around poetry, writing haikus, and just anything you can imagine. It became a form of connection for me. Um, I, yeah, I was kind of like Ryusuke. I, I think I was a little dismissive of it um, until I reached college um, and still didn't care much about it. Uh, and then I was uh, harboring a lot of uh, a very strong feeling inside um, and I didn't and I couldn't really get it out and I didn't know where to put it and I thought I'll just start writing poems and it was freeing I felt relieved I felt uh, there's something like it feels spiritual sometimes about writing what's in your soul that you can't really express through your own sort of words and i mean like talking i guess um and then from then on it it was therapeutic because i i think poetry is the most selfish form of art and not not selfish in a bad way in terms of like i don't ever think about who's gonna read this when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. It's the most, you kind of said, we think we're the most interesting yeah. people in the world. So. <laughs> I think that's true in a very, like, I think I write poetry for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think in sort of all other forms of art, you can't, you, you don't really get that uh, purity. And sometimes it's negative. Sometimes it can create a lot of really bad stuff. 
Um, but sometimes, sometimes it feels uh, maybe the maybe the most uh, self-confirming thing that you can do is write what you feel. Um, and uh, yeah, I've I haven't found that feeling that idea elsewhere and that's why I write I think yeah definitely agree and I think this actually goes back to like what Eris and Miranda had said in like the first episode they were talking about identity and I remember Miranda saying that like poetry is like one place where you can explore identity without having to name it explicitly Mm -hmm. because identity is so hard to name explicitly and being able to just like write in this kind of obscure like leaning on metaphors kind of way allows you to sort of have that self-exploration and that like sort of selfish um introspection almost and i feel like there is like you said there's no other art form that does that which is glad we found poetry wow i did all the succinct wrap-up work for myself so all i have to say is thank you for listening to this episode of poetic pontification stay tuned for more poets next time Why doesn't everyone say, like, bye? Oh, yeah. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> bye. <the> <laughs> I don't know. One, two, um, one, three. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>